Readers Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Monday again. How can this be? Anyway, 2020 is like the longest year ever, and also it's already July. What? Um, anyway, today we have a YA fantasy author back on. She's actually a returning guest, Susie Vidori. And if you have not met her before, I'm going to read her bio for you. She has a brand new book out, and I can't wait to talk about it. So, Susie Vidori is a book coach, editor, public speaker, and the Calgary best-selling author of the Fountain series, which is the Wall of Wishes is the new one that we're going to talk about. This fantastical young adult series has received two Aurora nominations for Best YA Novel, as well as five stars and a bronze medallion from the Reader's Favorite Book Awards. She's represented by Naomi Davis of Bookends Literary Agency. It's Monday. I can't read. Susie lives in Calgary, Canada with her husband and three children and is an involved member of the writing community. She's a program manager for Calgary's World When Words Collide and teaches writing at Alexandra Writers Center Society. She's a touring member of the Young Alberta Book Society, and she's also the founder of Write It, a creative writing program for schools. So she's very busy. And I did put a link to Susie's website right there on the blog talk. So if you're listening live, you can click that anytime, sign up for her newsletter, check out what's coming up for her. And without any further delay, are you there, Susie? I sure am. Thanks for having me back. Oh, I'm so excited that you're here. And you have a new book, Wall of Wishes, right? Can you tell us why we need to get it this week? Oh, my goodness, yes. A Wall of Wishes and launching during a <laughs> pandemic has been a totally brand new experience, and it's actually been a lot of fun. Um, Wall of Wishes is really the culmination of the whole Fountain series. You can read it as a standalone, too, and it'll make sense. But it really answers all of the questions that my readers had about the world um, of St. Augustus and the magic of the school, the boarding school that the kids attend. Um, so the series is about... 16-year-old Ava, and she moves from San Francisco to New England to find out more about her mom who died when she was 10. And when she gets there, her reputation is perceived at her, and the kids aren't very nice, and all kinds of crazy things happen to poor Ava, and she gets really upset, and she runs into the woods, and she finds a mysterious fountain, like the one that's on the cover of the fountain, and the whole series is named after. And she makes a wish <laughs> on the fountain that one of the girls that she just met had never existed. And when she returns to the boarding school, the girl is gone and absolutely everything in her whole life is different, even her own family. She has to find out about the magic of the school that she goes to and the history of her own family. She meets a boy and all that stuff. And it's a lot of fun. The series is about, and in Wall of Wishes, um, Ava actually has to work with her nemesis, Courtney. So Courtney returns to the school. She's the girl who got wished away in the fountain. And she, they have to work together because the Wall of Wishes actually records all of the wishes that have ever been made over the last hundred years on that fountain. And one of the wishes is actually um, Ava's dad made it for, he wished for her mother's love. And the fountain is going to be destroyed because the Westwoods have been sold. And what they're worried about is that this wish will get undone. And if the wish gets undone that her father wished for her mother's love, then Ava may no longer exist. And so she's very motivated um, to save the fountain. (laughs) Wow. And is there like a running theme of like, be careful what you wish for, right? One wish changes everything, that butterfly effect. 
Oh, definitely, definitely. And that was part of the fun of the series was trying to weave that together because it almost becomes time travel because you're actually able to erase history with wishes. And then they wish on top of each other, and there's tons of wishes in the whole series. Um, and so the kids are making wishes without really thinking through the consequences. And, yeah, that's what the that's what the series is about, and it's a lot of fun. Oh, that's so cool. So is this the final book, or will there be others? Well, right now we're saying it's the final book. I, I really think it is. <laughs> it really wraps up um, lots of other things, and I've written a couple of um, books and new series. I mean, I'll never close the door. Um, but I really tried to make it sort of speak to everything that, all the readers over the years have asked about uh, the fountain and have wanted to know um, so that it would really wrap that whole thing up. I'm already planning some sort of extra uh, content. So I don't know. I don't know that I'm quite ready to leave the world. We'll see. We'll see. Right. It's very hard to leave them behind. <laughs> I wanted to ask, you said you have other things that you're, that you're tinkering with. Are they all YA fantasy or are there other genres that you want to write? So I think they are, I, I will definitely stay in YA. I've, I've spent a lot of years now, you know, with a name built up for YA. And it, originally when I first started writing, I didn't really realize this whole, you know, <laughs> writing the book is just part of it. <laughs> As everybody knows, right? <laughs> writing the book is one part of becoming an author and everything else is supporting that and, and supporting um, your readers and getting out there and figuring all that out. And I've really figured that out in terms of where my readership is. Um, for a young adult. And so I think it would be difficult for me, um, not impossible to write, um, but I'm not really interested in creating a whole other persona because generally if you write outside of young adult, you would use a pen name um, just so that kids don't pick up right. something that isn't intended for kids. Um, but yeah, so mm-hmm. definitely YA. I am, I am tinkering with um, this, this series. The Fountain series is magical realism, so it's fantasy, but it's set, it's set in a real world time with just some magical elements in it. Um, I also have written a new, I'm starting a new series where I have the first book written. It's with, currently with my agent and it is um, complete fantasy. So in a fantastical world that is earth. Um, and then I actually am working on a contemporary novel this summer that's set in Nova Scotia, which is where I'm from on the East coast of Canada, which is actually where I am right now overlooking the ocean. Oh, so nice. Is it? Do you guys get like warm summers up there, or is it always kind of cool? Um, no, it's it's quite well. Where I am is is you know a five hour plane ride from where I live, so very different. Um, I live north of Montana, uh, in Calgary, and it's actually it doesn't ever really get that hot uh, in the summer. It's kind of you know temperate. I'd say we do get hot days, but it cools off at night. Um, right now, I'm on the east coast of Canada, which is north of Maine. And it um, it gets quite hot and muggy here, so it's it's great. I mean, oh, okay. obviously it gets cold in the winter, but yeah, it's it's quite it's quite warm here right now. Okay, yeah, I just wonder because I think of you know Great White North, and I'm like, does it get hot there? Yeah. <laughs> no, it definitely does. It definitely does. We have seasons, you know, um, fall, winter, spring, summer. So yeah, all those seasons. But winter is definitely the longest. And sometimes it yeah. tips over summer or spring and spring and fall are mere suggestions. And sometimes it's like summer, winter, <laughs> summer, winter. So one or the other. Oh, well, Feast or yeah, you get a week of, was that spring? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
So I I wanted to ask um why what draws you to writing fantasy? Um do you enjoy, you know, the magic, the creatures? What what is it that, you know, that makes you your muse go crazy for fantasy? Absolutely. I think I really do enjoy the magic. As I mentioned, I'm working on a contemporary novel, but actually there's a supernatural element that just crept its way in. So I'm having a discussion with my agent <laughs> as to whether or not that's what she had in mind. Um, but yeah, I, I just really think for me, I'm such, as a book coach and I also edit as well. And so I work with lots of people and what really comes alive for me in the writing, what really, you know, captures my muse, as you just said, um, is, is being able to do those show don't tell elements. And I know it's a basic concept, but it's a concept that's so worth hammering on through your whole writing life. Um, mm-hmm. and being able to demonstrate the, that beauty and that, sort of larger than life and have that image just explode in your reader's minds. And so I find that magic or um, fantasy in some way is just able to do that a lot more than, than contemporary. Um, so that's why I have these other elements creeping in because I just find, I, I love, I just love those moments um, where they can see this thing that you've imagined um, because of the beautiful words that you've used. And, and, you know, obviously your character's interacting with it and experiencing this. But, yeah, I like, to, I like that sort of larger-than-life element for sure, for sure. And creatures, yeah. you ask yeah. creatures, I, I think that's so mm-hmm. cool. It's really, really um, on trend in YA to have creatures in your books, and I keep meaning to do that. And in my outlines, there's always magical creatures, and they don't make it into my books. It's just not something I write. Oh, dang. So, yeah. I, I know, I know. I, I love it and I love reading about it. I just, I'm not, um, it's just not where I go. Like my books are really character, character driven, yes, but they're really about the relationships and about being human and being flawed and, and that struggle. And it just doesn't have that much space for um, for other creatures, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm going to do it yet. It's, it's like a personal Maybe the challenge. high fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Where where they're basically human. Um, yeah, they just haven't needed <laughs> in my last that that pure fantasy book that I talked about originally had that was one of my goals was actually to bring in creatures and the um the outline had like sea creatures and it had um I don't even remember what I had that they were beautiful, unique creatures and I wrote the book and realized I didn't put them in. So yeah. Oh, they'll be no. in another in a future in a future book, I guess. I don't know. Oh my gosh. Well, I I write paranormals and I always enjoy the, you know, the high stakes because when I read, I like escapism. I like to, you know, be out of our regular problems. And so for me, it's always the draw of the high stakes and total escapism. Is that part of it for you too? Absolutely, absolutely. And I think writing for young adults, too, I, I feel like it's easier in fantasy to come up with things that aren't too, you know, I've got three kids myself, my oldest is 14, and my youngest is eight. Um, and so I find that they find some things really scary. And if you make them too true to life, um, then sometimes it's, it's a little bit too raw for those younger readers, even if they're strong readers. Um, and so I really right. find that in fantastical elements, you can still bring in those same themes, you know, the be wary of strangers or be careful what you wish for, all of those things, but in a way that they can digest it a little bit better. Um, so that might be part of it, too. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a good point, especially with YA and, and it's, when when that's where your heart is, you can try to write something that doesn't have that in there. But I agree. Every time I've tried to write something contemporary, all of a sudden someone finds a, something magic or there's somebody yeah. who's more than what they seem, you know, and I'm like, dang. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a real, there's a real need um, for contemporary right now. And, and my voice sort of lends itself to that. I love writing in first person. And, uh, and so there's, there's a real gap there. And I think, uh, yeah, but there is a paranormal element in this book that I'm writing now. So hopefully it gets to stay there because I think it just makes that whole contemporary feel of it even uh, much more interesting when they're grappling with this, like, is this real? You know, is this not real? Um, It's kind of fun. Right. Right. So who inspires you? Who do you like to read that fires you up and you go, Oh my gosh, I have to go right now. Oh my goodness. You know, I have got to say, I read a whole variety of things. Um, I'm inspired by, I was originally inspired by um, Gordon Corman. I don't know if you know who that is. He's a Canadian writer. He started writing as a teenager, but when I was younger, um, he's still writing, uh, but that was 30 years ago or more that he started writing. Um, (laughs) But yeah, he wrote, he wrote sort of middle grade boarding school novels, which I thought were super cool and probably influenced me heavily, even though I don't write middle grade, it's uh, the boarding school concept is really cool. I like to read, honestly, I like to read anything that's a bestseller. um, And that sounds really shallow, but that's not why it's not because it's amazing writing or anything else. It's just, I'm always fascinated. What, what is it that sort of draws people to books and makes something that explodes when literary critics might say, well, this is not well-written or whatever. There's got to be something good about it, right? That, that actually works. And so I find it really fascinating to like wade through um, in all genres. I read a lot of women's fiction. Um, I'm in two book Mm -hmm. clubs. So I read a lot of women's fiction and a lot of sort of um, the the bestseller stuff. And I just find it just absolutely amazing to talk to people, especially people who aren't in the literary world, about what it is that draws them to books. And that really helps me in my own practice, especially when I'm coaching other people to write books in other genres. It helps me to make sure that there's elements, no matter what their story is, that there's elements that really speak to the reader and that are going to work for their reader. Because um, I think that that's something that especially newer writers don't always think about is how is the reader going to react to it, right? And keep turning it around and say, well, how is the reader going to respond? And I think that really came from the amazing response I had to The Fountain, which is book one in the series, when I started getting feedback from readers that were like, oh, wow, I just love this, or I love that, or they wanted to talk about the romance in it. And that, that just surprised me what it was that they wanted to talk about. It made me really start paying attention to what it was that readers uh, were drawn to in books. Yeah, and I think, too, that so often, especially because we're writers and we're trying, you know, to hone our craft and all that kind of thing, but it, it comes back to storytelling. And sometimes books aren't written well, but the story draws people in. I mean, who who knew? And also, who's, you know, who's the target market? I wasn't a huge Twilight fan, but my daughter was in high school, and she was, and she loved it. And I tried, 
was like, okay, the high school angst, I can't do it. Um, But obviously, (laughs) I was not the target market. And it was, you know, a huge, huge success. So yeah, I think that it is really interesting to see, because a lot of times, it's the story that speaks more than the actual writing, you know? Absolutely. It's the story and whether or not the story has a point, I think is something that, you know, I talk about a lot with my coach, like with other writers is, is what, what, what point are you trying to make? And does everything in your book actually point to the same theme? Because we forget about that. And when mm-hmm. you write a novel, you've got to put a lot of stuff in the novel, right? Okay. Right. You know, if you've right. a novel, you know, then an outline is just an outline and you've got to have lots of stuff to fill up a book but if it's not related then it can feel really distracting or it can slow the pace or it can do other things and so making sure that you know what it is that you're trying to say you know about humanity or about people or about whatever whatever it is that you're trying to say and don't hit us over the head with it and come out and say it but but how do your characters act in that world and what is that change in that character arc that all sort of leads to that point that readers can follow and feel something, right? If you feel something, right. if the readers feel something, then you've done it right. Yeah, I agree. And you mentioned outline. Does that mean you're a big time plotter? Oh, not at all. Actually, not at all. <laughs> so I, I call myself. So yeah, as a book coach, actually, I admit that though. And and you know, some pe- for some people, large outlines really work for them. Um, and I think that that's great. You know, people who write huge story grids, like you've seen them where they can fill a whole wall. I don't know yes. if you do that or sticky notes or how I don't do, do that. <laughs> no, I don't do it right. either. And I, I actually am doing it less and less the more books I write, um, which is not awesome, but I think I hold it in my head. I still outline. So what I actually do is, is, um, uh, with my book coaching clients, I have a number of different um, methodologies that have kind of merged. And depending on the client, like work with different ones. So somebody who loves that big story grid, great, we'll work with it. But otherwise, most people don't. Um, I work with something um, that's from Author Accelerator, um, and it's called the Insight Outline. So it's a two-page outline, and it basically goes through and describes the, the major scenes, not all the scenes, the major scenes in your book, and it says the scene and what's the point. So we talked about what's the point, right? Like, so here's the scene and how is that driving your character's change? What, what is it actually driving? And it's super quick and dirty, um, but it, you can see that whole thing. And I work with my clients on that. And you can see everything about that book. You can see in two pages. And then you can know if it's going to work or not. And it's, it's actually pretty incredible because if you don't have a reason for having that scene in there, um, take it out, right? And that's frustrating when right. people have written, you know, their first draft. But, um, yeah, so anyway, so that's what I do. But I call myself a quilter. So I will, so there's plotters and there's pantsers who fly by the seat of their pants, right? And that's somewhere in between. Right. I do an outline, and then I kind of write it out of order. <laughs> so I've met other writers. Oh. I don't think it's that unique. But because I'm a busy mom, and when I first started writing, I was also a business executive. I've since... Um, let go of my job as a vice president to become a writer full-time, which uh, has been fun and interesting and amazing, but with a leap. And um, right. yeah, so I, depending on my mood, I take a scene in that outline that I feel like writing or the mood that I'm in or whatever's exploding in my brain that day. That's what I write. And, 
you know, it's not the most efficient way to write. <laughs> and the former <laughs> out operations executive in me, like, thinks, oh, my goodness, there's got to be a better way to do this. But it's an iterative process. And I think, you know, if you've got everything there for a scene and you write it when you're feeling it, uh, then you're going to have your best writing. And that's why I think that readers actually connect with my stories is because I've done it that way. It's not efficient, but I think it's got heart and soul. So. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I I um, talk to so many authors doing the show, and it's always fascinating to me. Everyone has a different a different process, but one thing that follows all the way through is everyone goes, but every book is different. And I have found that to be so true. I have some books that write themselves and I'm like, Hey, I know how to do this. And then you do the next book and you're like, Oh, I can't, nothing's working. (laughs) Yeah. So I really feel like, you know, it's different depending on which book you're writing. It is. And I think, uh, you know, this is the third book in the trilogy. And I actually struggled with Wall of Wishes, the the book that we're launching now. I struggled with it the most because it had so many expectations around, you know, I've I've got this world, I've got this, isn't it, you know, you always think it's going to be easier to write book two in a series because you already have the world and you have the characters. And then you sit down to write it with the same outline. You're like, oh, but I already have the world and the characters. What am I going to write about? Right? <laughs> So you can't rediscover everything again. So you have to make your world bigger and you have to make your characters different. And you have to, you know, throw different obstacles in their way and make everything really change. And so for Wall of Wishes, um, the first draft of it, I just, it, I knew exactly what needed to happen. I knew how to answer all of the questions. And it just was missing some magic for me because I did go through and I was able to do it, you know, rather quickly uh, the first draft, and then I sat on it for a long time because I was, I, I was, you know, I really wanted it to have that same magical quality that the first two books had, and I was like, what if my readers hate it? Like, whatever. And I, so I went back to the drawing board, and I actually ended up, what I did to make it feel fresh in my eyes, and I enjoyed the challenge too, is the other books are written um, from a single perspective, and they're in third person, and I actually switched. Um, Wall of Wishes to be dual perspective because the two girls have to work together. Um, so it's dual perspective, and I wrote it in first person just to give myself the to give myself permission to sort of break some of the things that I'd done in the books before and make it feel really different. And the reaction has been incredible. I don't think that most readers even notice that it's in first person or third person. When I did send it to my editor, he went a little bit crazy. <laughs> like you can't do that. <laughs> You can't do that. No, You're breaking all the that. rules. Like, well, I, yeah, well, I just did it. <laughs> you know? like, so, uh, so I, I, I ended up. Um, I'm like, I'm not changing it. It's the right thing to do for this book, and I know it's the right thing because I've sent it to you know my 17 beta readers, and most of them are teens, and they're like, this is this was amazing, and not not one of them noticed. <laughs> so, right, right. Like, it's what I it's what I had to do to get that sort of spirit of it on the page and so that's what I did (laughs) and I think it turned out tremendous right yeah well and I think that again that goes back to you know that the readers just care about the story and we think there's Mm -hmm. all these rules but the reality is if the story's there they don't care about the rules right yeah, I think that grammar is, honestly, an editor can help you with that. I can help you with that. But an editor can help you with that. They don't think that, you know, those rules around it. Um, and it's difficult to 
share the rules. And I think that's where, that's where I was really compelled to give back of why I actually work with other writers is because, you know, I've spent a decade learning um, and I don't think that it's something that you can learn just by taking a class. And I don't think that it's something that even many successful writers are aware of what they're doing. Um, and so because of my background of, of operations and sort of trying to put processes together, I think I've been able to pick up on a lot of ways to not streamline. It's never going to be faster. I wish, I wish I could tell you I could, you know, I'll be one of those guys on Facebook. You write a book in a month by my, no, that's not, that's not what I'm suggesting, (laughs) but, but I can help you skip the learning curve by showing you how it works in your reader's brains. And I, so I'm a huge proponent of Lisa Cron, you know, story genius and wired for story Mm -hmm. and how it actually affects your reader's brains and those books you know, teens especially, like I'm competing with video games and, you know, Snapchat. I, I've got to, I've got to make right. a book that they can't put down because it lights up their brains, right? So how do you, how do you write like that? I mean, I think that applies for all right. genres, but especially, it's especially prominent in teens. Right. Well, um, for people who have never read your books before, what did your writing journey look like? Because did you always want to be a writer? Did you start writing this book you know, when you had your kids? What, what's, your, what's your story to get to being yeah. a published author? Yeah, so it's, it's a long journey. <laughs> it's a long journey. <laughs> right? Um, I think, <laughs> yeah, I, I always knew that I would write a book. I mean, I look back at, sort of my kindergarten and grade school things and it says I'm going to be an author but I never actually when I you know when you're growing up that was never presented as one of the career opportunities I I never thought it could be a job so I always knew that I would write a book one day I had no idea what that book would be but I knew that I was going to do it because I love writing um, and I always have I wrote a lot of half books as a tween and teen so I, I never finished them but I wrote some books um but so we know that that's something that really I'm passionate about. I can sit for, you know, 14 hours and just like be lost in my own brain. Um, so I knew that that was something that I really could do and wanted to do. Um, and I, I spent a lot of time doing writing as a business executive as well. I often did our grant proposals, or, you know, like dry stuff, but it wasn't hard. Right. For me. Um, and I realized really early in my career you know, when people be like, how did you come up with that PowerPoint presentation? I'm like, I don't know. I just listened to everything everybody else was saying and wrote it down. Like, it, it, it just wasn't hard for me, but they were like, wow, that was amazing, right? So the reaction <laughs> told me that I, that I was doing something a little bit differently. Um, but, yeah, I actually did sit down to write um, the first draft of The Fountain on maternity leave with my third child, and she's turning nine in three days. Um, so, yeah, so she uh, – and everybody says, how did you write a book on maternity leave? Well, my kids napped. <laughs> I just was determined. Right, right. But I did go back to work. Yeah, but in Canada, we get a year off. And I actually took a little more than that with oh, my third. Nice. Um, just because I was, I was able to. Um, but, yeah, I did go back to work. And so it took me two and a half years to finish The Fountain. It took me two more years to find a publisher, uh, which I found through uh, attending writing conferences and getting involved in the writing community in Calgary. And then, yeah, when The Fountain came out and they contracted um, for the next book, and then I wrote that while, while working full-time. Um, and then after The Westwoods came out, I would started being asked to speak and teach um, and to, you know, I do a lot of public speaking at events, which has all dried up, <laughs> which is why I'm doing a lot more right. teaching now. 
Um, but yeah, become a keynote speaker. And I was taking seven days off a month uh, to go do author stuff off my job as a vice president at a company. <laughs> I was like, okay, something's <laughs> wrong here. So yeah, so I had to, I, I was able to pivot um, through sort of cobbling it together. And I really enjoy talking to writers about how they're cobbling a writing career together because it doesn't mean that you're writing, 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 writing full time. It means, you know, supporting your books that are already out, making appearances. What else are you doing? What other income streams are you finding? Um, and that's super fun and unique for every single person. And I just tell authors to play to their strengths and, and talk to them about, you know, what it is that, that they think they can do and then find a way to make an income out of it to support their writing. So. Right, and you have to be very creative during a pandemic and learn to do many things online, right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Launching during the pandemic, especially um, for kids who aren't really, you know, out there looking for books in the same way that, that adults might be. Um, I'm used to doing a series of events. I, I travel across the province um, that I live in and uh, attend schools or do Comic-Cons. Um, I speak at big uh, events. I go to like girl power type events, which is amazing. I support uh, Kids Help Phone, which is a national crisis line. And so we travel together to different events and talk about my books. And yeah, just out there in the public meeting people is, is how I made my bread and butter. And so this right. is a, a, a bit of a pivot this spring for sure. Yeah, but we're all learning and hopefully many people will help, will find your books and that we're running out of time, so I just wondered, how can readers get in touch with you? Are you on Facebook, Instagram? Where where do they find you? I am on everything. <laughs> I'm on everything. Um, just type in my last name, V is in Victor, A-D-O-R-I, and you will find me. My um, my website is susievidori.wordpress.com. Yes, and I put a link right there on the, on the uh, Blog Talk site. So everybody get in touch with Susie, grab her new book, and uh, The Wall of Wishes. And thanks so much for being here today. Thanks, Lisa. See you later. Thanks for joining us on Bye. Book Lights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.